Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Wednesday episode of Flippin' Bats. Always a guest episode, and today we got a great one. Steven Kwan, outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians, who hit 298 in his rookie year, had an awesome rookie campaign. They, the Guardians get to the playoffs as the youngest team in Major League Baseball and have a good run in the playoffs as well. Obviously, we're going to talk all about that. His college career, he won a College World Series with Oregon State. He was teammates with Adley Rutschman. His mental approach at the plate into the game of baseball is also one for me that's really, really fascinating. We're going to dive into everything with him. I am pumped for you all to hear this conversation. So without further ado, let's welcome him in now. Fly ball onto the track. At the wall. It's gone. Home run. Turns on a ball. Deep right field. Game, what a moment. All right, and I am pumped to welcome in now outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians, Stephen Kwan. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate you. Of course. Hey, I, I got to start because every time I have somebody on, I know you didn't play there for a while, but somebody that played in the New York Penn League, I always have to ask a question because I played there for a full season and I walked away with a million stories, a guy coming out of college that experience college baseball and then go to what I what was professional baseball, but expecting a, a little more glamorous when I got to the New York Penn League. I ended up with some stories of, you know, I don't know if you got to play in Vermont against the Lake Monsters, but I was showering on like dirt floors. My bus ride to Mahoning Valley was 10 hours, 11 hours long, and the bus broke down. Do you have any uh, crazy New York Penn League stories? No, nothing too crazy. The, the long bus rides definitely got me. Um, <laughs> We made it to the playoffs uh, when I got there, and we were, I think, driving to Albany. And uh, along the ride, I actually turned 21 there, but since none of the guys knew me over there, I just had a silent uh, 21st birthday. So I got a couple texts and everything, but I just remember thinking, like, damn, this is <laughs> this is professional baseball. Just uh, happy birthday to me on the road and got a game in, in a couple hours. So that was that was definitely a little interesting. That bus ride had to be, like, 10 hours from was what is that yeah. the tri-city uh the the valley cats or whatever yeah 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 no it was it was definitely deep that was the longest bus ride i've had uh <laughs> in in baseball so far so steven last year your rookie year in the big leagues you hit 298 in your rookie season you win a gold glove award you make the playoffs with the youngest team in major league baseball you beat the rays you take the yankees to five games it was such a cool year to watch but for you personally, when I ask about 2022, like what are your thoughts that come to mind? Yeah, no, I mean, it was just, it was a whirlwind. I think that's the best way to to say it. I was just trying to keep up with all the different things going on. Uh, I was just happy to be there, super wide-eyed. Um, it kind of took me, I would say, like two months in the offseason to really like say I was able to decompress, process everything and be able to look back. But like, I feel like when you're in that kind of moment, you're just trying to look at the next day and the next day and body was kind of banged up, um, just different things going on. But um, looking back, it, it was a crazy, crazy journey. 
How much fun was it for you guys? Because I know you didn't have this mentality, but from the outside, it was like you guys are almost playing with house money. You know, you're going up against the Rays and then the New York Yankees and nobody giving you much of a chance in the playoffs. But you got there with the youngest team in baseball. You beat the Rays, walk-off homers, I mean, walk-off wins. You hit over 400 in the ALDS against the Yankees. Like, How much fun was that playoff run for you guys last year? Yeah, it was really cool. Um, we had a couple of veterans, obviously, on the team kind of telling us, like, you know, how things go, what we should be expecting. But it was really cool that we were able to just kind of, you know, look to the left and right and just be like, you know, a lot of us haven't been here before. Let's just go out and play as hard as we can. Um, lean on each other. Obviously, the fans in New York were, were getting were, were chirping at us. And it was funny just kind of looking at each other and being like, you know, this is playoff baseball. This is what it's all about. Um, it was it was definitely a lot of fun to just be able to hunker down in the bunker. Um, with your guys and then get get the job done speaking of speaking of Yankee Stadium and those fans one of my I love Miles Straw who's center fielder and you guys played left and center field last year and in Yankee Stadium there was that play it ended up going viral for so many different reasons but you crash into the wall in left field and I want to ask from your perspective because you crash into the wall you're probably not there immediately and by the time you like come to you probably turn around and miles straw has climbed up into the stands yelling at people behind you what was going through your head during all that yeah no you definitely got it right i i'd really i was just trying to stay too and i was definitely seeing stars when that all was going on i actually <laughs> missed the actual climbing of the thing but then i kind of saw people you know yelling at him and kind of the aftermath of that and people trying to you know get him away from that um it's it's kind of it's funny to say but in the moment it just Although my body was hurt and it felt good that, you know, like someone on this team actually wants to yeah. stick up for you and, and really likes you. That was a that was like my first month still in the big leagues. I was still kind of I didn't think I was going to make the team. So I didn't really make a ton of friends on the big league team. Um, just kind of looking around, not not trying to make too much of waves, but seeing Miles, you know, put himself out there and defend me. I mean, that made me feel really good and made me feel like I was part of this team. I mean, you just all you did there was go hard after a ball crash into the wall and then now, probably for the rest of your career, you're never going to hear the end of it from Yankees fans for just going hard after a ball because of everything that played out. And the rest of that game, I'm sure they were coming at you, right? Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was a close game too. I mean, it was yeah. just good baseball. I mean, back and forth. Um, yeah, I know it was kind of uh, treacherous scenery. We were, it was like a day game. I know everybody's having their, uh, their midday beers and everything. So, the, the the arena was definitely a little hostile, but it's definitely a, that was a really cool experience to look back on. I want to get into the weeds a little bit in hitting because I I just I love talking hitting, and I recently had Luis Arise on, who's hitting 400 this year. It's insane. So to talk to him about hitting was really cool. And you you're a little different because you do have you have a big leg kick, but it's not like your traditional leg kick where you lift and then like drive forward with it. It's just kind of I want to talk to you about it. How did the leg kick come to be and, and what is your thought process when you're doing it? Yeah. So kind of coming up through college and all those kind of things, I actually had like a new swing and like a new load every year, um, was just trying to see what worked. And I know yeah. I remember in 2021, I did like a little swing camp and they basically kind of told me that like, Hey, like kind of just forget a, kind of what like what you've learned before, like just do what's natural. Like when something's coming up, like if you're trying to time a pitch up, like how would you do it? If you're playing, you know, with ball in the backyard, like how would you do it? Um, and I remember they kind of hooked me up to a little machine and, you know, I'll spare the details of like what it was all doing, but it was pulling me forward. And I remember I had to keep my leg 
I had to have the leg lift to kind of keep me balanced yeah. uh, during that. And yeah, it's it's completely a timing mechanism. It's definitely not for like the big leg lift and, and a huge swing after. Um, I feel like I'm able to kind of, I guess, not a great word is hover, but like hover while I'm waiting for the pitch and then be yeah. able to strike it. So you're um, not like leaning be- forward through, you, your weight's not taking you forward when you lift. It's li- It's literally just a timing mechanism for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's the thought process behind it. If you were to, if you were to get some weight going forward, what, what kind of pop you got? I know you don't have too many big league bombs, but I mean, could, is it in there? Uh, you know, I appreciate you kind of lead me into that, but, uh, I don't know if it's, it's, it's a ton. I usually try to do like a homer round and, uh, in BP, like, uh, eight swings inside, just try to yank it and I'll usually get like one or two out. So, uh, I gotta be pretty, uh, honest with, with my pop, but you know, it's, it's deep in there. I like, to, I'd like to think it's deep in there. <laughs> I told, I just told you I had a rise on a couple of weeks ago and I asked him this question. He's like, oh yeah, I got a lot of pop, a lot of pop. And I was, you know, we <laughs> laughed about it and then he hit a homer the other day, like his third of the year. So I guess there was, was some truth to it. Um, uh, I, I want to go back to your college days for you. You play at Oregon state, the college world series just wrapped up. We saw LSU win it. You got to experience that yourself in, in 2018. You were there. Uh, you win it in 2018 with your team. What is what's LSU and their players experiencing right now? Like how was how awesome was that experience for you? Yeah, I mean they have to be just pure euphoria right now, especially with that LSU fan base. Like they treat them like gods over there. They treat them really well. Um, I'm sure they're going through the parade right now. Um, they're probably all hanging out after the parade and just kind of telling war stories. Um, doing their thing yeah. I mean that time is is really special to me that was it was just time with all the boys there's obviously no like financial rewards for winning it it's really just like for the love of baseball and being able to again like hunker down in the bunker with your guys you know you look to the left and right those guys that you had 6 a.m weights with uh, to be able to win it and show that all that hard work really paid off is is extremely fulfilling. So they do do a, a parade even for, I didn't know, you know, I went to Old Dominion we didn't make it there is a parade in Omaha after the College World Series ends well, uh, I don't not not in Omaha. I'm, I'm assuming they'd go back to go back to uh, LSU. Got it. Yeah, back to LSU, and they'll have a little thing. I remember we had a, you know, we flew into Portland. It's like an hour, fifteen drive down, and right when we got into Corvallis, we had a little parade going on, which was really cool. I was reading up about you in college and your swing, and kind of saw how you were going through different swings. And at one point, you were toe tapping. But one thing I saw that was interesting is basically the first time you really cracked the lineup and became a starter on that team I read was because you mastered bunting and like finally got that down is that serious you finally cracked the lineup for good because you mastered your bunting absolutely yeah (laughs) I I guess it wasn't because I got the bunting but the bunting was the vessel to get me in um like you know west coast baseball always trying to get bunts down it'd be like the seventh inning um I would be the guy that they call off the bench get a bunt down Uh, I'd get it down and more often than not, they would take me out and get somebody else out there. But, you know, if we got the lead after that, they would keep me in. I would get that bat in the ninth inning and here or there get a hit. And then that would kind of prove that I could could stay in the lineup. But bunting was basically the way I got in. Um, the, our head coach, Pat Casey, told me there's always one guy that makes every team because he can bunt. And I had a brutal a brutal fall. So yeah. I took that to heart and and really locked in with one of our coaches and bunted every single day. And, and Oregon State's field is a little leaning where the – ball the the line is higher than the field so foul or balls that are going to go foul usually tip back wow yeah it was a little bit of a bias there on that but (laughs) the the bunting definitely got me to uh who i am i owe a lot to the bunting uh so that that year end up 
changing things and your swing ends up improving throughout your college career. But you just hearing you say like it was changing every year, it's something for me, you know, once that starts happening, it's just such a mental like a, a mind game and it can be very difficult. You know, professionally, I came in to pro ball with like a little bit of a hitch in my swing and they let me do it and then end up taking it out. And next thing you know, you're just constantly searching for your swing at some point in college you found it and you stopped, you know, you were doing all these different things. Do you remember that point in which your swing clicked and you didn't just become a bunter anymore? You became a guy that was going to hit well over 300. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember that first year, like I said, the the swing really wasn't that great. And I had another coach who kind of sat me down. He's like, Hey, like season's about to start. So we can't really break down your swing. Like if you're willing to commit to it, like we'll work on a complete overhaul. Like it might take, a year it might take two years but we're just going to work on one little thing every day and just keep working on it so that first year it was very okay and then kind of through sophomore the sophomore year things started clicking a little bit and i was like okay like this feels really good i could see where the results are coming from um took that into summer ball from sophomore to junior year and then that junior fall i remember he was saying he's like hey like you know we we, we worked through all the stuff you look really good things look really comfortable like i like where you're at like let's just work on maintaining the swing now so it was definitely a long journey and and Maybe it was ignorance to just believe that I could do that. Um, but I guess it was a blessing that my swing was so bad from the beginning. Uh, it was either it, it was either completely overhaul or don't play baseball yeah. anymore. So faced with those two, um, definitely going to start grinding. You were teammates in college for a few years with Adley Rutschman. And I guess first, safe to say Adley didn't crack the lineup because he mastered his bunting. <laughs> <laughs> no, that guy, that guy is just a different beast altogether. That guy is an absolute freak. And even now in the big leagues, what both of you are doing, but seeing him and the turnaround he's been able to, to be a part of for the Orioles, but what he did in college, everybody was involved in him and his career and your team because of, you know, he hit well over 400 a couple times being up close and personal watching Adley Rutschman in college. Like how cool was that for you? Yeah, it was it was really cool. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people will know, but his freshman year, he basically was in the starting lineup only because he could catch. He uh, and that's not obviously his fault. He had to split time between uh, football and baseball. So, I mean, I don't even know how he managed to do that. But um, he was a defense first catcher um, playing the freshman year and he led our pitching staff. I want to say like an under two team ERA, like which is unbelievable. Yeah. But I mean, the guy just grinds. He he understands what he needs to do. Uh, you tell him something, he's super coachable. Um, great team leader, obviously. And then once that swing uh, kind of came together over that summer, I mean, it was it was over. Um, he did obviously what everybody sees he does now, but along with him being just like an awesome person and just like a great teammate, like he obviously has done everything that is expected of him and more. Awesome you, guy. You mentioned him playing football that first year. He was on he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and it got brought up him tackling Christian McCaffrey. How often did he bring that up once he finally did it or not at all? No, no. We uh, we had older guys who would bring it up. He's one of those guys <laughs> that just would never talk about something like that because he's like, yeah, that's just something that happened. But, I mean, we had guys who were obviously big into football and, like, knew what McCaffrey was going to be. And then, like, every day it would be the joke. He's like, Rutch, you tackle Christian McCaffrey. Like, you ever think about that? And he was like, yeah, I guess. Like, it's just it's whatever. But, I mean, he he's never one to talk about his own achievements. It was always older guys that loved hyping him up. I, I often talk about, because I, I think my perspective when talking baseball is a little interesting, where I, I played minor league baseball, never got to the professional, never got to the major leagues, but I experienced 
the grind of the minors, the mental side of things. So I often talk to guys about the mental side of baseball because I truly believe it's the most mentally grueling sport there is. And if you fail 70% of the time as an offensive guy, you're a Hall of Famer. I mean, that's just Mm -hmm. the game. So failure is something you really have to deal with, which I I wasn't great at it. I would let an 0 for 4 turn into an 0 for 12 quickly because I would get into my head. You and you in college, I saw you started visiting a, a sports psychologist, and and that was more because you didn't feel almost like you belonged at the beginning. How did you? How did that help you? And how did you get to a point mentally, other than just like starting to have success? How did you get to a place mentally where you did feel okay and like you belonged on the field? Yeah, there were there were multiple things, but I think one of the biggest ones was just kind of getting introduced to to meditating and just being kind of aware of all of these thoughts that are swirling in our heads. Um, I used to think that I was the only one that like had all these anxieties of like thinking about what the pitcher's gonna throw, thinking about where my hands are, thinking about this like where we are in the game, thinking about if I swing at this first pitch, thinking if I swing at the second pitch, like all of these things are going on, you know, a million miles an hour. And just yeah. first of all, hearing from the sports psychologist saying, like, hey, like that's completely normal. Like there's not a person in this game that doesn't feel those kind of things it's just how the relationship with those feelings are uh, i remember that being kind of like a really eye-opening you know uh advice um going through that and just being aware of the thoughts that we have and understanding that like you said the game is more mental once i devoted as much time as i did with baseball to the mental i think i think things started coming together yeah that's Honestly, honestly, what you have to do is devote as much time to the mental side of the game because as I, I wish I could go back because as I mentioned to you, I, I would seriously go 0 for 4 and then you take that home with you and then next time, next thing you know, that 0 for, that's an 0 for 8 and then you keep taking and it just piles on top of each other. So being able to have like a mechanism like yourself and meditating to bring you back to a little bit, I'm sure helps a lot. Did you have that feeling at all? when you got to the big leagues, like did it kind of reset and you have to start all over again of, do I belong here? Or did everything you had learned along the way help you once you got there and you didn't feel that anymore? Yeah, no, absolutely. It came back in 20 times, uh, harsher. Um, obviously it was last year. I had a really good first month and then the May after that things started kind of falling off a cliff and just the self-talk that I would have to myself was just very toxic, very negative. Like, basically going through that whole cycle of like, okay, like hopefully they don't send me down It's okay. I'm, yeah. they're going to send me down to this game and like looking around my shoulder for the, the, the coaches, oh, yeah. um, like bargaining and being like, okay, like once I go in triple a, I'll spend this much time and then I'll, I'll ball out and make it by June, whatever. And like, I went through the whole cycle yeah. of it. And I mean, it's crazy because obviously, um, the mental game was very important to me and I, I needed that to get there. And then once I got to the big leagues, I started kind of abandoning it. And obviously the mind starts wandering. So um, it was definitely hard to kind of stay on the routines, but seeing just right in front of me, like how toxic and how negative the inner voices that sometimes you don't even realize you're thinking, seeing those just right in front of you, it was it was vital that I, I got back on those routines. Yeah, and it also, the, the start you got off to was remarkable. You reached base 18 times in your first five games, which is a record since 1901. While you're in the middle of that five-game stretch, do you even realize that it's a historic run, or were you just so caught up in being a big leaguer and trying to have success and prove your worth at that level that you didn't even realize it? Yeah, no, I definitely didn't even realize. Like, I was still, my heart was still beating out of my chest every time I get to the plate <laughs> and see Salvi Perez at, at home plate saying what's up to me. Like, I even thought that was one of the coolest things ever. Uh, I remember Whit Merrifield's talking to me at second base. You know, Licky Lopez is 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 cracking jokes with me. Like, 
it was just it was unbelievable all the things that were going on the the the, the records weren't even a, a thought at that point but yeah it was it was a whirlwind for sure Speaking of catchers talking to you when you walk up to the plate, you guys recently played the Orioles, Adley behind the plate. What what was the conversation? Was there any trash talk or was it all just like, dude, you're the best. Good to see you. Yeah, it was it was all love. Um at the end of the series though, things were getting a little I'm not gonna say dicey, but I was getting a little little butthurt. Um <laughs> there were two strikeouts that got called on me that were balls, um, but they rung me up on and I look back and um Adley sticks it unbelievable. So I'm like, come on, man. Like you guys are already winning. Like you ain't got to stick it on me. Like just <laughs> give, give me a chance. And he's just laughing obviously. Cause the umpire's right there. He doesn't want to say anything to jeopardize that, but we were cracking jokes at the end, which was, which was a lot of fun. You just got to pull out the move. It hasn't happened in a long, it was a long, long time ago, but there was some batter that just turns drop kicks the catcher and mm-hmm. then just starts going off. That's what you should have done with Adley in that moment. I mean, he might have caught my foot and broke my my whole leg. So I know I know better than when to pick some fights. <laughs> How cool was it? I know neither of you ended up finishing first because of Julio, but in both of your rookie years, to finish in the top three, two and three in the AL Rookie of the Year conversation, like how special was that for you two? Yeah, it was really cool. I think it speaks any, more than anything about Oregon State and kind of the culture that we grew up with. Um, I mean, those guys are my brothers forever. And just to show, just to put Oregon State on the map in that kind of aspect, I think was really cool and kind of give some love to Pat Casey, our head coach. Um, it obviously took a, a whole village to get me and Allie to where we were. So I hope everybody at uh, over at Oregon State feels that same pride that we felt about that. This year with the Guardians, your second full season in the big leagues, uh, not off to, to the best start, but you look up at the standings and you're right there flirting with first place in the division. Um, so you, you got to believe as a team, you're in a perfectly acceptable and, and a fine place. But what do you think the start to the season for you guys, what do you think the big difference between the way you all finished 2022 and the start to 2023, what has been the the difference for you as a team? Yeah, I think there's just, there's, there's different dynamics for sure. Um, I mean, the, the beginning of last year, we started off really slow and, you know, that could be a multitude of things, just kind of getting accustomed to the year, uh, cold in Cleveland, cold in everywhere we go. Um, I just put up to usually just small sample size. Yeah. I know the dynamic of this year is a little different because we're not surprising anybody. We obviously did what we did last year and people yeah. understand what our kind of game is. So maybe we're getting a lot of people's best bullets or better bullets than we were before. But um, I mean, things are definitely chugging along. It's, it's good to have meaningful baseball be played every day. Um, it keeps everybody engaged, locked in and loose at the same time. So yeah, I feel like we're in a really good spot right now. All right, I got a couple fun questions for you before we finish up. The first of which being, aside from your home stadium, what is your favorite stadium that you stadium or city that you travel to on the road? I mean, that's a pretty lazy one, but I really liked Fenway. Um, Fenway is just it's so historic. It's so it's just so quaint and it's so cool. Um, especially getting to play left field in front of the monster, yeah. like that's obviously a really cool experience to be able to kind of understand the intricacies um i didn't know that there's a freaking ladder just in the middle of it like in bp a ball like ricocheted off of the ladder and went all the way to the line like that put the fear of god in me but just understanding those little nuances i think was really cool so i would say fenway i think in the history of this show and all the players that have come on you might be the first to use the word quaint to describe a stadium and i like that that's good (laughs) have you you grew up uh you grew up in the bay area were you a giants fan yeah, I was a Giants fan. My dad grew up in uh, in San Francisco, so we'd always go to the Giants games. Have you gotten to play there yet? No, we play there in September. So oh, I'm, you I'm do? Super That's going to that. be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm real excited for that. 
I mean, you're gonna. I, I'm assuming a bunch of family and friends. You're probably gonna have. You're, you know, one thing people don't realize, which is oh, never has sat well with me. If you're a major leaguer and you have a bunch of people coming, you can get tickets, but you have to pay the taxes on all those tickets. So if you go home and get 30 tickets, that's a lot of money. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And it's just, it's a whole dice situation because then you, you bring that up and then you know that, you know, people are thinking like, okay, well, is he mentioning that? Cause he can't afford it. He can honestly <laughs> afford it. And it's like, I just want to dodge that whole situation. And yeah. And just not, try to avoid that. Um, so I actually live closer to Oakland. So we've obviously played A's a couple of times. So that's usually when the tickets come up uh, more. But they're cheaper than the Giants tickets. So try to get my buddies out there uh, to see some games. So I got to ask you, we don't need to dive too much into the the politics behind the move and everything. But living closer to that area, what are what are Oakland A's fans feeling right now? I mean, it just it's such a shitty situation for them. And I feel awful for the fans. So people that live out there and they hear about this move to Vegas, I mean, what are A's fans going through right now? Yeah, definitely betrayed. I mean, I think people were thinking that this would be the one professional team to stay in the Bay, but unfortunately they're not blindsided by it. Like obviously yeah. the Warriors left first, then the the Raiders. I think there's a fourth, another professional team that, that left before that I'm not sure about, but uh, it's definitely sad. I mean, you watch those videos of kind of when the Coliseum was popping, playoff baseball. I mean, that was that was unlike any other. And even though they don't have as many fans as they did before, like the Oakland fans there make sure they're heard. So definitely probably a little betrayed, um, dejected, I'm sure. But I mean, it's sad to say that everybody had it, everybody saw it coming. Yeah, they, I mean, they were great fans. I've experienced playoff baseball in that stadium, and it is. I've always I've said this. It is the loudest playoff atmosphere I have ever experienced. It is unbelievable. Did you? I know you were a Giants fan, but did you ever get to go to a playoff game when they were really good there for that stretch of time? Did you go to the Coliseum no, for a playoff game? No, I was never able to go to any of those games. My my brothers told me this story before, but in I think it was in '06 they were playing there. He said he was sitting next to uh, somebody in the dugout, and they were screaming at each other from like face to face and they could not hear what each other were saying and they still both to this day remember it like it was yesterday i mean it was it was insanely loud yeah i mean the they're right on top of you they'll make sure they're heard did you who did you as a giants fan who did you grow up like who were your favorite players yeah so i uh i used to be a first baseman i'm sure that's hard to believe but uh (laughs) lefty over at first base uh used to have some pop but uh i really liked watching you know brandon belt jt snow um like watching Travis Ishikawa, that was yeah. a really cool one because that was another Japanese American guy who was playing baseball, which I hadn't seen a lot of during then. Um, and then obviously that whole like 2010, 12, 14 team. I think that's the that was really the time where I really fell in love with baseball. Oh, and it made no. it easy to, to were watch you the at, games. Were you at the game where Pablo Sandoval took my brother deep three times? I was not. Those were way too expensive, but you best believe I was watching <laughs> it on TV. Oh, what a series that was. So, yeah. I mean, just for you growing up a fan and to experience that every other year, every even year, just your team winning a championship. I mean, it's one of the most spoiled a fan base could possibly be like in the history of sports. You got that with the Giants. You had the run the Patriots go on, but you got to experience like one of the coolest times of all time to be a baseball fan. 100% and this is probably going to make people groan but I'm also a Warriors fan so having that kind of dynasty <laughs> as well I've been a I've been a huge spoiled uh Bay Area fan uh my whole life so um yeah it definitely cemented my love for baseball and I, I, I look at those times very fondly all right what is your your least favorite stadium to play in or visit 
Least favorite. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, well, I guess Oakland would probably be the safe answer since it won't be around very long. But I, <laughs> I, I have a I have a soft spot for Oakland. I guess I don't know. That's a tough one. I also don't want to put anybody on blast, but well, if it helps you answer the question, everyone's answer is either Oakland or somewhere that they're like one for 30 lifetime at I hate that place. It could be like gonna, the, a beautiful stadium. And they're like, I hate it. I will. I hate playing there. Actually, I'm not a huge fan of Detroit now that we're uh, fully uncovering everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. I don't, I don't think I hit too great over there. And a lot of times it's freezing over there. So yeah, I'd say a close second is Detroit. You get in, you get in the organization and pretty much immediately go through just an organizational name change, which is wild to think about. Ends up being the guardians from the Indians to the guardians when it, when that whole process was happening, like what were you hoping would be the team name? Are you fine with guardians? Do you like guardians now that it's all settled? Yeah, I think it's cool. I don't think they marketed the reason why they called the guardians. Um, I don't think a lot of people know, but like we have a bridge right outside the stadium that has these two guardians on it that kind of, you know, guard the, the city guard, the, the, the stadium. Like it's a, it's a pretty cool kind of whole wraparound thing, but Whenever I talk to people, they're like, oh, yeah, I had no idea. Like, I thought they just chose that. And, like, they they chose Guardians because they keep the IANS to save some money. So <laughs> it's just it's just those little things where I don't think they marketed it very well, but I like I like it. I think Spiders would have been really cool, but uh, Spiders I mean, is the one. The, Spiders yeah. would have been kind of sick. Yeah, but I don't think they want to take away from the previous Spiders team. Yeah. So I, I get where they're coming from. Um, all right. Who's faster, you or Miles Straw? Miles. Okay. Confidently, Miles. Okay, I can give you another confident one, though. Who's the best chess player on the team? It, it, right now, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would definitely say it's me. When uh, when Will Benson was still with us, he was the person that would give me a run for my money. But uh, it, it since he got he got traded away uh, this year, it, it would be me. How did you how do you get into how did you get into chess? But have you seen the Queen's Gambit? Absolutely. Oh, could, yeah. could you beat her? No, no. Also, drug <laughs> probably shouldn't publicly say uh, good on the drug addiction, but no, she's she's just, she's way too good. How'd you get uh, no, How'd you get into it then? So yeah, me and Will Benson, we just uh, I remember it was the beginning of spring training. I want to say it was it was twenty twenty it was twenty 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 twenty, and uh, we were there for depth camp just kind of early, and I think we were just both kind of like, hey, like there's a chess board you want to play, and um we didn't really want to play video games we didn't want to play cards so we just sat down played and then eventually the the juices just started flowing like i beat him a couple times and he uh he beat me a couple times and he kept using the same way to beat me so i'm on, I'm on youtube watching videos on how to beat this certain opening <laughs> i beat him and he goes on the same thing goes on youtube and looks it up and next thing you know we're, <laughs> we're grinding in the clubhouse people are watching it was it just became a whole thing which is really cool that's great last one for you and your career so far Who's the toughest pitcher that you've had to face? Um, I usually say Carlos Rodon when when we played the Giants. Um, they came to our place, but I mean, ninety nine at the eyes with elite ride um, is obviously no fun. But the one that got me was he struck me out my first at bat, and then my second at bat. I remember telling myself, "All right, be ready for the first pitch fastball. You know, we're not going to get the two strikes. You know, forget all that." Um, first pitch is right at my head. So I hit the deck and I'm, I'm trying to get out of the way. And then halfway to the plate, it starts breaking right towards me. So plunks me in the head. Um, I'm running down to first. Thankfully I'm okay. But I look back on the, on the iPad and 
the pitch only ended up like a ball, a ball inside, but I was so convinced that he threw a first pitch fastball that I hit the deck and I've never been so fooled by a pitch like that in my life. So when he, he had that and 99 in the back pocket, I, I just remember thinking, I don't want any part of this. As a guy that, you know, it's part of your approach at the plate. You, you swing at less first pitches than anybody in the game of baseball, but hearing you say like, against Rodon, I don't want to get to two strikes. How do you hand, does that change your first pitch approach or is it just a hole at bat approach? Is that a guy that you would, we don't need to give away your secrets in the box here, but is that a type of pitcher that you might decide to swing earlier in account or no? Yeah, I would say so. Um, But that was also kind of my mindset because I think that was like the second week of the season. So I really didn't know what my, how my plan was going to change from the minors to the majors. Um, People always talk about the same game, and I think it is the same game, but I just wasn't sure how I was feeling with with those kind of things. Um, especially, I think it was a little bit of pride, too, because that was our opening week, and I had struck out my first at-bat in front of the whole Cleveland crowd. So I just remember telling myself, like, you know, that was kind of embarrassing. I want to make sure. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to strike out in front of them. I want to look good in front of them. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, depending on the pitcher, it definitely changes the the, the strategy. Steven, this was a blast, man. Thank you so much for joining me, and good luck this entire season. You're forever a friend of the pod, so come back on whenever. But thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. This was a ton of fun. Of course, man. Good luck. All right, just wanted to thank Stephen Kwan again for joining me. What a blast of a conversation. And I know I end up asking a lot of guys about their mental approach at the plate or to the game of baseball because it really is something that separates the best and makes them – major leaguers, honestly, from being a professional baseball player, it's equally about figuring out your swing as it is figuring out the mental game of baseball. Because no matter how much success you've had in your career, everybody is going to struggle at some point in professional baseball, and it becomes about how you deal with that. And hearing him talking about dealing with that in college and then dealing with it 20 times over at the major league level was really interesting for me. I'm a big fan of his and I hope everybody is. What a what a great conversation. Uh, what a great rookie year he had and the Guardians are right there when you look up. They haven't had the best year this year, but you look up in the AL Central and the Guardians are right there. So, uh, wishing him good luck the rest of the way. That was a lot of fun and hearing him talk about the Giants and the Oakland situation and everything growing up and heading back home this year. It's, I, I'm looking forward to watching him the rest of the way. So thank you all for listening. Make sure you're subscribed anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch everything on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. Thank you all for listening. Until tomorrow, my friend, peace.